Welcome to Touch Podcast. This is Ryan. And this is Nate. And, and uh, today... Oh, go ahead, Ryan. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, so uh, I am traveling this week um, out and about uh, in Hawaii and in other places. A following story, and but joining you guys on the phone while Ryan is in the studio. Thank you, caller, for joining us, Nathan Ibarra. <laughs> You're and you're 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 at a really cool retreat center, which we're gonna get to talk about in another episode. And yeah, yeah, I'm excited to hear about yeah. that. And because I have been hearing about it, um, you are. Uh, I get to live vicariously through Nate, as our listeners know, out in yeah. Hawaii. So I'm glad that you were able to call in because on this episode of Touch, we have two really fantastic guests. Uh, we have Tristan and Ryan. Tristan Chipman is an LCSW. She is a therapist in Decatur, Georgia. So is Ryan. Ryan's therapist. They actually work at the same practice, right? I'm looking at faces nodding. They work at the same practice. And uh, Tristan is a white Canadian clinical social worker, queer, cis woman, wife and parent of a nine-year-old. She predominantly works with queer, trans, and gender non-conforming people both youth and adults. She specializes in complex trauma and relationship-based therapy. And she co-leads a free community support group uh, where uh, called the Gender Creative Parenting Collective. It meets on uh, on Wednesday, one Wednesday night a month. And so we wanna hear more about that. And she is joined by her colleague, Ryan Patrick, who is a queer transgender social worker and therapist who specializes in working with LGBTQ youth and young adults. Uh, He graduated with his master's in social work from Kennesaw State and is currently a doctoral student at the University of Georgia in social work. And uh, he assisted in developing the uh, Atlanta's first youth host home program focused on housing lgbtq youth experiencing homelessness that is um really awesome i'm on the board of an organization that works with homeless men um so that's that's amazing and there's lots of other things on their bios but i don't want to spend all the time talking so tristan ryan welcome to the podcast thank you so much for uh, making the time to be here thank you glad to be here yeah so (laughs) i'm nate and i are (laughs) yeah yeah nate and i are both fascinated like Tell us about the work that you're doing in your words and like, how did you get into this work? Doesn't matter either way. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Ryan and I met when we were both in grad school together. We interned um, in our second year of our master's program at Hillside Hospital here in Atlanta. And we immediately clicked because we had a lot of shared common interests. Um, For me, you know, it's funny when I first, I went social work and therapy was a second career for me. So I went back um, to graduate school when my daughter was um, two. So in 2015, and when I first, I wrote my introductory application are kind of around um, maternal health and like postpartum depression and identity related things. And then um, I had come from Canada to Georgia and I was at University of Georgia and I was immediately one of my very first assignments was like looking at experiences of first year university students coming into the University of Georgia. And so 
in the course of researching in that paper, I discovered sort of minority stress theory, a lot of discussions around sort of experiences of racism, homophobia, transphobia, and it really got me thinking. And then I grew up in a family that was Mormon. I came out, um, I came out as queer sort of publicly to them later in life. I met my wife when I was in my early 30s. And so it wasn't until then that I really talked about my identity with my family members. Everybody in the family was practicing Mormon. Um, but by 2015, you know, I was out, I was, I'd, we'd had a baby together. So everybody was kind of aware of it. And I was visiting my Mormon sister in Las Vegas. And she introduced me to a parent who was also a therapist. And she said to me, um, you know, there's this moment in, in queer identity where you're like, do I come out? Do I not? Oh, tell me about your work. And it's like, hmm, do I just say I'm married or do I say I'm married to a woman? Like, I don't know, but I, in that, you know, it's kind of like in that moment, I did say, well, I'm, I am married. I'm married to a woman and I'm newly in social work school. And she said, oh my gosh, we need you. Mm-hmm. And I, I was like, what do you mean? Who, who needs me? And she said, the Mormon church needs you. Oh, And I mean, it gives me goosebumps to even say that because I was like, oh, nope, they sure do not. But um, I was like, why, why do you say that? What do you mean? And she said, well, we are having such a hard time. You should take a look at our suicide rates mm. among young people in the church. We don't talk about it enough, but there oh, is wow. a huge problem with, um, with LGBT youth in the church and coming up in the church. And sure enough, I did at that time start looking into to suicide rates among young people and the state of Utah, which is sort of you know ground zero for the Mormon church, it did in fact at that time have incredibly high rates of suicide um, among their young teen populations in school. Um, and that just started me from that moment forward. It was kind of like, wow, I'm really interested in what is the experience of trans and queer youth in families and what kind of difference does it make in terms of their risk and resilience um, in their experience. So that started me in every paper I wrote from that point on and all of my work from that point on has centered around um, specifically queer, specifically queer and trans, but more specifically trans, young folks and um, centering around ways of building community and supporting families to understand more about how to keep in a very simple, succinct way, how to keep their kids not just thriving, but alive. Because I think that that is a very real, real issue. Mm-hmm. So that was, that was my, my ground story, <laughs> start point. Yeah. <laughs> Well, Ryan, how'd you get here? Yeah, so um, Tristan, I love that you named kind of our origin story and how we first started getting to know each other. And um, oh, yeah, just such a wonderful person, wonderful colleague. So thankful to know you. And uh, yeah, just really cool to be sitting here today. I mean, I think also you have been such a part of my own journey and, you know, transition and just journey uh, that I have had over the last, you know, how long have we known each other? Five, six years now. Um, 
So yeah, really cool, but excited to be here. Thank you again for the opportunity. Um, just also want to acknowledge like, yes, I am a transgender man. I represent that identity. Um, I can only hold sp space for my own experience today though. Um, and so I can speak about that and I'm excited to speak about that, um, but I don't speak for the whole community. Um, that's really important, you know, but I am excited to share, you know, a little bit of what I know and, you know, kind of my experience today. Um, and so, yeah, life is such a journey. Oh my gosh, I have identified as many of the letters of the LGBTQ umbrella throughout my life. Um, it has been a journey and a struggle at times. I think truly that's really what got me into wanting to be a therapist. Um, I had a capital H hard time as an adolescent, uh, really, really struggling with, I mean, adolescence is hard as it is. Uh, when you are queer and you're trans, it's, you know, it's even harder. Um, you know, also didn't experience a lot of stability with my family and just a lot of things that uh, made that a tumultuous time for me. Um, luckily, though, I, you know, did have the privilege um, of getting connected to a therapist when I was 17. Um, she was phenomenal. She was great. She helped me so much. And uh, yeah, I mean, honestly, she's the reason I, I got back into school and I was like, I'm going to be a therapist. I want to be like you. I want to help, you know, young people the way that you've helped me. Um, and so truly, that's what got me back into school. I, you know, started at community college and worked my way up and now I'm in a PhD program. So I'm really proud of that. Um, but it's like, you know, the fight never stops. And it's like the things that you go through in life is what gives you the energy and the strength to do what you do now. Um, and so I'm honored to be able to work with the folks that I do um, in the private practice that I work in. I love working with young people, uh, specialize in working with uh, queer and trans young people and young adults. Um, and I love working with them and their families and just being a little, you know, part of their story as well. Uh, but yeah, I wanted to be who I needed when I was younger. And I like to think that I'm doing that. Um, that's the goal. And uh, yeah, and then, you know, kind of thinking about like my research interests, um, specifically, you know, and thinking about my master's program, very similar to Tristan, I was the only out student uh, in my master's program. I don't know if that was your mm. experience, Tristan, but I was the only one who was out and identified under the LGBTQ umbrella. And I mean, that was in 2015. Um, and so it felt really important to me to take up that space and uh, center that research because I wasn't hearing about it. I didn't hear, okay, well, what are the best practices in working with, you know, young queer and trans people? Um, and so I really like Tristan, you know, every single paper that I wrote in that program, I made sure it was about that community. And I said, okay, well, what do we need to do? What are the facts here? What do we need to learn? And where do we go from here? And so I think I've carried that into my professional career as a social worker, you know, really wanting to tackle some of the mental health disparities that exist, um, the, you know, experiences of homelessness that so many of our community um, has. And so that's kind of been the journey there. And now in my PhD program, I really do, I still center the um, experiences of queer and trans people, uh, looking at the mental health disparities, but also wanting to take it farther um, and looking at, you know, the protective factors like how do we thrive? How are we resilient? You know, how does community impact um, some of those, you know, suicide rates and mental health impacts that so many people do experience? Um, and so that's the work that I hope to do. And yeah, it's a little bit about me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that's great to hear that. I, you know, I'm a cisgender, heterosexual white guy married to a woman with kids, you know, I have a very sort of vanilla <laughs> not good you know sort of read it you know that if you made a sitcom about my life it would be just really boring to watch and um uh 
but I, the need for your, it's obvious to me that the need for your practice is, is huge. Um, you work with adults and, and youth. Is that right? Yeah. So I work with, um, ages like 12 to 30, uh, okay. but mostly youth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. seems like a lot of younger people are, you know, society has opened up and, and really for good. It, it's, you know, there's a lot of, lot more acceptance for people who are, uh, you know, don't live the vanilla life that I have. They come out um, to some degree or try to, or they have all these feelings that are like, they're able to consider things that people in my generation or especially my parents' generation couldn't even like consider for themselves really. What are kids coming to you presenting with? Like what's, what's the reason why they either get dragged to or get asked, you know, or ask their parents to come to therapy and what are the kinds of things that you're talking with them about? Yeah. Do you want me to take this first, Tristan? <laughs> you could t- you could take it first, Ryan. Um, yeah, I'm, yeah. Okay, totally. Um, yeah. So, well, and I think I also just want to acknowledge that uh, I'll speak from my own experience. You know, part of the reason it took me so long to figure out who I was was because there just was not a lot of representation, mm-hmm. especially for trans masculine people. And so it's like you said, though. Yeah, like it's a double edged sword when it comes with visibility because yes we have more representation and people can, you know, see themselves reflected uh, more often now. Um, And with that visibility comes harm sometimes, or, you know, a lot of questions or, you know, people are unsure. Well, are you sure? Well, what does this mean? You know? And so I I really think that that's why this is a good conversation to be having. Um, And knowing that like not, you know, one shoe doesn't fit all right one experience is not everybody's experience so really trying to like take a step back when it comes to that um and every trans person is an individual they have their own story they have their own experience and so part of it is just listening to them um taking that you know taking a step back and just being like okay well how do i meet you where you're at right now um and listening to what their story is so that kind of gets me to your question of you know what are they presenting with and i think it depends on the person it depends on the family it depends on the situation um a lot of times though i do have people reaching out with just a lot of identity uh confusion questions um struggling with that wanting to talk about it um a lot of times there's a lot of anger presenting anger um sadness um suicidality um not seeing a lot of hope for what a future could look like. Um, And then I think too, just, you know, fear from the family is something else that I see. And I know Tristan, I'm sure you can talk a lot about this, uh, but just like that initial fear, like gut reaction of, okay, well, what does this mean? Um, You know, some supportive families, some maybe not as supportive as we want them to be, um, but wanting to kind of meet them where they're at and help guide them in that journey and some of those questions that they have. You know, I- Actually, I'm sorry, Tristan, Tristan, I'm not sure if you were just about to answer, but I was going to mention something personal right after Ryan Patrick said something so sure. clear. Um, and, and, and maybe, Tristan, you can, you can jump on this with your response to Ryan's question and maybe add some answers to mine. Um, sure. What intrigues me about the both of you is that, uh, you know, one is fully trans, the other is fully um, uh, gay and have come through the confusion of that identity crisis. And I have a family member who recently has come out non-binary and um, recently some cutting has been involved. And so when I hear these things, 
you know, I'm curious, does these, like, should, should some of us who have this in our family, like, is this like precursor to where you guys are now? And, um, and how should we feel? And how should we handle it? But go ahead, Tristan, and, 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 and if you can add some thoughts to that as well as what you try to say to Hey, Nate, Nate, are you asking, is that common? Like, I'm, I'm asking if, uh, oh, yes, yes. I, so not, I wasn't asking if it was common, but as someone who was a church camp pastor who has worked with teenagers, um, I, can, I can see the statistics as a youth worker, but then once it's close to home, it gets, you know, mm-hmm. the questions kind of shift. And I just, you know, verse, instead of whether it's common, it's more about how should I be reacting around mm-hmm. them now mm-hmm. that we are supposedly more educated now and maybe there's more more um midway landing levels for them perhaps i'm just curious Mm -hmm. how to navigate this in this current environment i mean i I guess i could speak to that in the in the sense of like something that um i used to say it's not really a joke but it would be kind of an inside joke with kids that would come in with their parents and and we would our very first meeting we'd be sitting around and parents would be a little hand wringing and worried and and wondering like okay what's going on and and we'd be talking a little bit and i i would say well you know there's really like there's really just one true way that we can really determine if somebody is is trans And the parents were like, oh my gosh, what, what, how, you know? And I was like, well, we can just ask, (laughs) you know, (laughs) because, and I think it was, and I think it kind of lands because it's like, oh, what, like, what if that is really all we need to know is like, you are who you say you are. And I would say with parents often, particularly parents of younger, I don't know how, how old the person is that you're talking about, Nate, but I would say with parents of younger kids, some, and by younger, I'm thinking about some, you know, as you, again, my experience, people that have got kids that are like young, three, you know, five, six, but also people who have teen, early teens, you know, I think that parents kind of, well, okay, it's fine, but I want to know what is. And non-binary gets a little complicated for old school people who are trying to sort of, they haven't yet understood that all gender is a spectrum. They're like the, the, even though we live in a world that is talking about binary genders, you know, girls washrooms, boys washrooms, that is just not, that is simply not the world that we exist in. Sure, we could make those containers, but like many other things, there is not just, it isn't as simple as that. It never has been and never will be. Um, But for a lot of those parents, they wanna know, okay, well, is this what it is? They want a certainty and a settling. And one thing like like Ryan was saying, it's like, what, what, I think any of us need are people around us that say, you are who you say you are. And I am willing to stay with you as you evolve and change and grow because we will all be doing that 
all of our lives, you know, and I think even, you know, Nate, you said like settled on identity. I can't, you, we can't see, you can't see my face because you're on the phone, but I kind of giggled at that because it's like, well, maybe, you know, who knows? Right. I think, I think all of my intersections of identity, some of them are pretty solid and, and staying, but I think also I will continue to evolve as a human being, just like any of the clients and people that I see. So that's one of the things that I really try to reinforce with parents is like, what matters the most is that your child feels accepted and loved and seen. They don't want to be asked for all of the certainty that they don't have yet. What they need is to just be affirmed in like, okay, great. I love you no matter what. You can be whoever you are. We love you and accept you, whatever that looks like. That's so relevant. Thank you. Thank you Mm. so much for that. That really shifted my thinking as if something, for for example, when I did um, ask her, um, I I asked her, I now realize it was kind of an ignorant question. I asked, so why did you you know, why did you become, I guess, non-binary? And her response to me is like, you know, what makes you think it was a decision? You know, and then, but just that exchange alone taught me so much that I'm coming at this at the wrong angle. So, so that was great. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that something, you know, it's one thing that I will often say with parents is like, when your kid is using like if they're using pronouns, if they want pronoun, lots of kids, I will, they will say to me, I use they, them pronouns, but my parents can't get that. They don't understand. So I don't, I don't worry about that. I don't enforce it. And it's kind of like, geez, what would it be like for you to be able to just have your parents not make a mistake every time and actually just validate like you're telling me this is who you are today and I think parents have some grief around it they had these ideas of who this human was that they brought into the world nobody ever asked I mean there's this kind of like a it's probably like an what's that new is it New York there's some magazine that always has like cute little meme clips like joke things but it's like a person pushing a baby carriage and someone says oh is it a boy or a girl and the the joke, the mom or whatever the parent says, I don't know, they can't talk yet. You know, and it's like, <laughs> wow. Yeah, it sounds like a New Yorker. Yeah, New Yorker, yeah, New Yorker that's, New the, Yorker that's the place. Yeah, like, we don't know, uh, they can't talk yet. But imagine a world, and I say this a lot with my clients, like, let's imagine a world where everybody got to play with everything and they weren't being put into any kind of boxes and as you grew and evolved and learned about yourself, you just got to be who you were and it was celebrated. It wasn't, you know, there's something deeply creepy about, you know, school boards wanting to know what kind of apparatus is in someone's pants. Like that is crazy time, you know? Like it's just, that to me doesn't even make sense. It's like you're, the kids are who they say they are, not what they look like with their clothes off as a way of let's just to me bizarre and nuts yeah <laughs> to, to me yeah like, and I, don't get me and, started yeah i know <laughs> and I, 
you know, I think about like my parents' generation. Um, and I and I will echo what Nate says. Like, I don't um I have had some success and some failures in navigating the, you know, anytime you're faced with something for the first time, it's it you're gonna get lucky if you write and say the right thing or have the right facial expression. Um uh even last night at a swim meet, um this uh, a friend of ours little boy said said to me he was frustrated because his mom won't let him wear her lipstick and he's like six i think he's six and i said well you know i and i had a moment of success i think because i was like oh well you know i don't think ej was allowed to wear lipstick until she was 12 you know i was just like you know i did okay on that one probably i don't know maybe but there uh, that's not to say that i haven't had also a, a million experiences like nate's where i've just like uh but uh, you know and i think dop, dop, my, dop, dop. yeah yeah my my yeah. point is like i think and what i was trying to say earlier too is like as as particularly younger generation folks who are who who intrinsically starting from day one understand gender identity as a spectrum um you know and love and attraction on a spectrum and it's just a really different way to come up than how a lot of us were raised and so like what are some other what are some other ways or frameworks that folks who who or might be trying to prepare to, on 4th of July to see their niece who is now presenting as who is, who's non-binary now or who, or a cousin or an uncle or, you know, um, like how, how to, you know, how to respond, how to, you know, mentally prepare for, for that in a yeah. healthy way <laughs> and responding <laughs> in a, in a kind and generous way and not, not as quite as clumsy as I am. Yeah, well, I also, too, I think it's important to just, like, hold space for everyone's going to mess up. I mess up. Mm -hmm. Tristan, I'm sure you mess up, but none of us are perfect. You know what I mean? We're human. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to mess up. We're going to stumble. And so I think just knowing that that is true and that it exists, and I think trying is the biggest thing, um, affirming someone for who they are and meeting them where they're Mm -hmm. at at that moment in time is huge. And that's the biggest thing that we can do. And someone will know if you're trying, you know what I mean? Um, Mm -hmm. But I think also the biggest thing is just ask, ask them Mm -hmm. how you can support them. What do they need from you right now? Um, They might just need to sit there. They might not want to talk about anything and and just let that be okay. You know what I mean? I think a lot of this is taking your own ego off, taking your own hat off and just letting them have what they need. Um, Taking a step back, breathing, knowing it's part of the process. Um, But I think, you know, really tangible ways too, though, besides asking what they need, um, asking what their pronouns are, uh, asking what name you'd like, you know, they would like you to use. Those are two huge things. And then just by doing that, I mean, Tristan, you probably know the stats, but like the name and pronoun, respecting someone's name and pronouns is huge. Um, to help them feel affirmed in their mm. identity. And that's simple stuff. Like that's easy. And knowing it might change and, the, and like just letting that be okay. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. I think that's the biggest thing. But it's like moment to moment, you know, how can you support them? Um, what do they need right then? So. Yeah. 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 yeah that, that 
it's funny, Ryan, because you you know, it's like that that's easy, name and pronoun. <clears throat> it's funny because it's it it is easy at this point most of the time for us. And we still slip, you know, there can yeah. still be mistakes that get made. And it is also, I can't even tell you how much, how problematic it can be for so many uh, people in families and extended families. I mean, there is, it is, yeah. and I don't think that parents slash adults in the world have truly, I mean, I, I feel so privileged and lucky to be a witness to the pain and complexity that that happens when you are not being validated by, yeah. or affirmed through your name and pronoun. So I know how important it is. I don't think, I don't think often adults and parents are aware to the extent that it matters and the difference that it makes when it becomes consistent. Like it is, it's the felt sense of acceptance yeah. that does mm. not exist when the, when it can't be like, when it can't be done, when it's constantly, I'm not used to it. I'm not used to it. It's, it's like, I say to parents, well, I, I say to the kids, what I'd like to say to the parents is get used to it. Like, mm work on this this yeah. is your job to work on because it is a singular tiny thing to you that is absolutely massive to show your child that you are accepting and loving of them who they are even if it changes yeah. and not it's hard enough for a kid they don't need an eye roll around like oh you were a he or a they yesterday and now you're <laughs> i don't know what you're gonna be today it's like that is not validating language no. for your child <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, you know, but I, I, I resonate with, I mean, I, there, it, I, 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 I have to work on not rolling my eyes, not to mm -hmm. like little kids, but you know, it, with all kinds of teenager stuff, right? Not just this. So, but no, but that is, so that is a really good word for me because knowing that what is when I am, uh, when I, that my eye roll is like sort of a defense mechanism that I have to protect myself and, but it is not helpful at all in this for the other people in the situation. And what I heard you saying was it, that, that, that's, it, it's a little thing for me to make an adjustment, but it's a huge thing for the other person who's on the receiving end of, you know, hearing the right, their, their preferred pronouns. Yeah. I, I think, I think as a parent, it can be really hard. And I, I am constantly having to remind myself, I am make, I am building a safe container. Yeah. I am the safe container as a human being and person out there in the world. I, I'm all over the place. And when it's interacting in that way, my constant reminder and task not always met is to be a safe container for my kid yeah what, what is hard uh, yeah <laughs> you know yeah yeah because there are a lot of things going on and it can be you're trying to like prioritize like what i have energy and bandwidth to try to do well and i but so but i and i take that 
you know, as a, you know, if you can do, if you can do one or two things, you know, it sounds like you're saying, you know, do the pronouns as requested and be present and show, you know, and in showing your support um, for that child. Yeah. And I mean, I think, you know, the biggest thing is just trying, kind of getting back to, to what mm. I said before, because making that attempt, that is meaningful too, you yeah. know? And I, and I think too, you're not expected to get it right a hundred percent of the time. Like I said, we all make mistakes, right? Mm-hmm. So holding space for that, but it's the attempt and the trying that also has a huge impact. Um, so, and, and, yeah. you know, kind of getting back to what Tristan said, you know, when the world can be such an invalidating and non-affirming space, especially right now, you know, where it feels like queer and trans people are being legislatively attacked, our yeah. clients feel that, we feel that, everybody feels that, you know, and so if they can go home to a safe space where their parents see them and love them for who they are, that's huge. Absolutely yeah. huge. Yeah, I, it's gross to see full-grown men attacking children on the news it's it's a ridiculous circus of absurdity and it's hard to believe sometimes that it's it's like real life and not a a damn uh parody of of i don't know some other alternate universe it's it's it really is bizarre um the cruelty that you see in public um what if some folks are at home and they're they're thinking where are some places folks can go to sort of read up on um to you know kind of go into the next step of their own understanding of um either one exploring their own you know gender identity or sexuality or you know they have an or nephew or a child who they're just like at a loss for finding the right words or the right way where are some places they can go you're pointing at me (laughs) well I'm Um, looking at you because I know you're a little more you're up to date on research I know I've got some stuff too but I'm curious to hear what's popping for you right now I mean you're you're in you're living in this cool um well and so I think with the caveat of there's a lot of information out there I would really encourage everyone to use their discernment and what they are consuming and what they're reading what they're hearing um making sure that they are good credible reliable sources um because I think there is a lot of misinformation out there um especially when it comes to this like politically charged conversation around you know gender affirmation for children and youth and young adults um I think that people are grossly misinformed on what that means uh when a lot of times it's just about social transition you know and using name and pronouns and that kind of thing and so but I would say you know just checking your sources is really important um but the gender spectrum is a great resource they have a lot of support groups that are national for uh teens youth parents as well um there's also oh my gosh what is the name of it uh embracing the journey is also a really great resource for uh families that are tied into religious community um and also wanting to support their lgbtq youth and um young people um trying to think what else there's also a couple of books uh the transgender teen is one that's coming to mind um uh what is it Tristan it's like the identity consciousness there's I mean there is there's a lot of books and it is constantly evolving I mean there's the transgender child the transgender teen are kind of like foundational 
books from several years back, um, Diane Ahrenshoft wrote about the gender creative, gender creative parenting or gender creative child maybe is the name. The Karis Books and More website has very current present um, a list of, they have multiply curated lists that affect, there's one for kids, one's for teens, one's for young adults, one's for parents. There's all kinds of different resources on that site that talk about books that have come out recently um, that can be useful and helpful. I'm not sure, I haven't looked recently, but the Family Acceptance Project was something that I think was a Mormon, it may have started, you know, it, it started maybe out West in talking about the differences that they saw in terms of kids, just like mental health disparities and how they shrunk in, um, in families that had family acceptance. PFLAG mm -hmm. offers a lot of community resources, parent groups, teen groups, um, stuff like different local chapters, but also on a national level mm -hmm. can be helpful. Yeah, I, I, I really appreciate how you both gave the permission to be to make mistakes in this and providing groups to talk to because, you know, as a former church camp pastor to talk to my niece, talking to my niece about this, I thought I had all the skill set. And then once I started talking, I just had no words. <laughs> I had nothing. I'm like, whoa, I need to know that there are groups out there trying to just figure that out together is, is very comforting. So thank you for that. And I do, I think that the language is constantly evolving. Like I think that you can find different, like the language for all of us, the lexicon around queer and trans related things is constantly evolving and being curious and sort of thinking critically around like, oh, how do words show up? Like, like I think somebody, I have somebody, somebody recently referenced to me a, a niefling. Uh -huh. Niefling mm -hmm. is yeah. the non-binary, uh, genderless non-binary sort of way of referring to a niece, not a niece, not a nephew, but a common language word that sort of sums it all up. So recognizing how the binary Ooh, wow. shows up in language, like mm -hmm. instead of introducing, you know, ladies and gentlemen, it's using even just Southern colloquial y'all is a more, more expansive non-binary way of thinking and talking children mm -hmm. um wow yep yep that, that's amazing <laughs> I'm neat, like, wow <laughs> thank you <laughs> yeah another good one is sib kid i heard that recently sib so kid. like siblings kid sib kid so yeah uh, oh my oh. goodness <laughs> i like really that cool. too there, like, that thank you for saying that be because like a, i yeah I feel like my daughter is, oh, my daughter, I have a 13-year-old daughter, she is um, always correcting me, and it's really good, and I'll be like, oh, okay, yes, yes, and I'll, you know, re yeah. repeat it and, and fix fix the way I'm talking, and um, so I got, like, my own personal trainer at home, and it does, I'm yes. glad you said that, because it does feel like it's always changing. I think it's fair to say we all stumble. Yeah. And yeah. we're constantly learning. I, I think I'm always hearing new terms that feel important to someone and, and it's hard to keep up. Yeah. And 
Ryan Patrick, thank you so much for the permission to make mistakes and um, try again. That's very helpful. <laughs> I yeah. think a lot of people find that helpful, not having to try to get it right or yeah. not having, not being able to, you know, we not be afraid to, don't be afraid to try because you're afraid yeah. you're going to get it wrong. Exactly. Yeah. Well, and I think sometimes we are immobilized in that. Like we stumble on that and we don't say anything at all, which is sometimes more harmful than saying the wrong thing and learning from it, you know? Um, and so I think, yeah, just being kind and compassionate to yourself, you know, as long as, you know, and also extending that compassion to the, to the trans person or gender expansive person who is letting you into their world. Cause that's a privilege and an honor, you know? And so I think when someone trusts you with that, you know, very secret wow. important piece of their identity, you know, um, holding them in that compassion in that moment too, of like, wow, that must've been so hard for you to share that with me, you know? Um, yeah. So, yeah. That's beautiful. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. Thank you for that privilege. What a privilege. Yeah. Wow. Thank this you all. Episode, Ryan. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, thank you all for you know taking the time to be on the show. Um, we uh, this is I I I'm, was I have sticky notes written all over. I'm scribbling things down, and um, we we should make a cheat a cheat sheet of all these new vocabulary terms, man. I like know. Little, little, <laughs> have fun. Siblings. And and, always. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It could be like bingo. But, yeah. And <laughs> thank you all for making the time. Thank you all for the work that you do. Um, yeah, you know thank that you. Thank you know, you, youth thank are you. having a crisis in, uh, you know, in every arena, life or death stress in their day to day. So thank you for being there, being part of that safety net that catches them. And, and thank you for the mm. work that you do in public, working with the, with homeless youth and with parents in, mm. um, in the greater community um, to help spread awareness. That's, um, that's really important work. Yeah, and thanks for showing up with us on, on the podcast and all the other families and friends who are listening in with all these curiosities and um, with a whole lot of love to give and share the world. Yeah. yeah, if someone's looking for a therapist, how do you suggest they find a therapist? We, we like to ask the therapist these questions. What do you say, Ryan? I always... What, uh... No, I'm curious. What do you say? <laughs> <laughs> I say... May be very uh, liberal with the use of filters on psychology today. It isn't perfect. Lots of people don't list there, but I do often I will recommend, you know, you can really filter. I think if you are privileged enough to have insurance and you can find someone that takes your insurance, I, I do often people in marginalized identities are the ones that are working under underinsured people and sort of offering you know sliding scale rates and and prices that people can afford and if people have that privilege of insurance i do try to steer them to using it so that that frees up the space and capacity of of the work that ryan or me or anybody else mm. in our com community is doing um and, you know, you can filter for LGBTQ, you can filter for specific types of therapy. Um, I just really encourage liberal, liberal use of the filters to see what pops. You can get it down to like two or three people. Oh, wow. <laughs> and, then, and then you know where to start. And also every therapist I know is absolutely booked and full and I am the worst at returning calls, sometimes in part because I am just, you know, it, overwhelmed and busy and I'm still trying to navigate my family and my life so yeah if you don't hear back have compassion for the person who can't get back to you and know that they're 
they were in the trenches and keep keep at it. I like to usually I'll return a call when they've called twice. <laughs> uh, Ryan, three, how about you? Yeah. <laughs> no, that's great. I love the the you know disclaimer around the filters. That's really helpful. Um, another one too that I think is really good is therapy den. So another resource Ooh. to share um, that's free to you. So unlike Psychology Today, um, which I think is really nice, so it's more accessible in that way. Um, but they actually have really cool matching. So you, you know, the potential client puts what they're looking for out of a therapist. The therapist, you know, kind of puts who they work with, and so they actually have a matching process that I think oh, helps cool. a lot. Um, so Therapy Den is a good one. Um, and then, yeah, I don't know if we talked about this, but just want to kind of, you know, name how important it is that the parents of gender expansive kids having a therapist for themselves. I don't know if we've talked about that, but just, you know, so, so important, you know, for them to have a space where they can process their own grief, you know, and fear and, you know, massive change, you know, and what this means for them, because that's also really important, um, you know, and and to have that space separate from, from their kid, right? Like that's not for the kid to hold, uh, but a therapist can help with navigating that. And so I think, you know, just one other thing I wanted mm. to add in there is really, really important. So. Mm. Yeah, so, so, so helpful. And actually that does, you know, for this, this would apply for any parent of a trans or gender creative child. Um, we, we, I do host this parenting collective that meets online. So we have people from Canada all the way across the U.S. that come and it's between oh. seven and nine. Yeah, it's it, it's we decided to keep it online because we do have such a wide range of locations in terms of people that come into that group. It's evolved. We've become, um, you know, much more specific in who comes in and who stays in and it's a it's a drop in or attend every month kind of thing and it's um, we have parents of kids that are young from about five or six all the way up to about 30 so lots of diversity in all the ways in that group and it's um, an online space that people are welcome to drop into and, and join where would they find that they would find that it's under the events tab on the karisbooksandmore.com website. Okay. Um, so maybe you can share that somewhere in your podcast stuff. It's yeah. karisbooksandmore.com and under their events tab, yeah. there's lots of there's lots of events, including a, a new initiative that Ryan and I are starting, which is an, in real life. Game, board games for trans and queer identified teens on every second and fourth Monday of the month. Yeah, board games? Yeah. Yep. Tabletop board games, just a place for people to get social That's and amazing. hang. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We're excited. Great. Thank you guys. I mean, oh, see, I did it. Y'all. Yeah. Once I know once I'm from California and it's like, I've been trying so hard and I lived in the I South know. for so long. I should be able to say y'all. Well, once you're aware though, you'll yeah. start being like, whoa, this is yeah. so insane how binary everybody in the world yeah. structures. And then yeah. it's like, how do we protect our non-binary kids? Because the world is telling them they don't exist. Mm. Yeah. Thank y'all. Thank y'all. Thank you. Wow. Thank you. And that resource they mentioned, Karis Books and More, C-H-A-R-I-S-B-O-O-K-S 
A-N-D-M-O-R-E.com. And we'll put that in the description of this episode when we post it. Lots of resources Great. there. Um, awesome. Thank you all so much. Wonderful. All right. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you for the opportunity. Bye. That was Bye-bye. awesome. If you want more information on Touch Podcasts, go to touchpodcast.com. You can find us on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook. If you want to email us, email Ryan at ryan at touchpodcast.com or nate at nate at touchpodcast.com. You can find us on Patreon. If you give us uh, some support there and are interested to have a t-shirt, um, that's the one way you can get a free t-shirt. Or if you want to just use the number on our webpage to leave a comment or a question, uh, just give us your permission. We'll be happy to do that.